Main Street to Wall Street. Global business celebrity and former Fortune 100 C-suite executive Jeffrey Hazlett takes you inside the good, the bad, and the ugly of businesses today. Saddle up. It's time for All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett. What a great show we have today. It's no secret that we're all facing an uncertain future and all eyes on the economy and how COVID-19 will affect it and what extent. My next guest is a real estate entrepreneur who teaches people to become investors. He owns and manages hundreds of rental homes and is even a best-selling author. We even talk about his home-based business, which is all of his businesses, but more importantly, he's teaching his kids um, at home. And he and his wife got a very special uh, product that they that they have available for people that's just rocking off the sh- shelves. So I'm talking about Aaron Amucheski. He is also has a podcast called Real Estate Rockstars right here on C-Suite Radio. And he teaches us the roadmap to become a rock star in the current climate. So please welcome Aaron to All Business with Jeffrey Hazel. Aaron, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for having me, Jeff. There's a lot, lot of stuff going on right now, and thanks for such an awesome intro. Oh, you bet. And so here I'm looking at you. You got your setup there with your mic, the whole bit. is. It, it, what's it like? I, was, I get interviewed once a day on other people's podcasts. You do a lot of other people's podcasts? The, it's probably like half and half. I mean, I think one of the differences when you get, when I get interviewed, so when I'm hosting, I use, I have a virtual background behind me. It has everything about our show, like the show notes for the people that are there. So the, so talking on the mic is easy, you know, having conversations, that's all we're doing in podcasting is having conversations. Um, but I'm doing more interviewing right now than getting interviewed, but maybe it's like, you know, three or four, three or four things a week, three or four times I'm interviewing and one, once or twice I'm getting interviewed. Well, but you've got, you've also got a massive audience. You're again, one of our top hosts, which is just fantastic. And so I think that's exciting. So, and really, so first of all, Roddy's, tell me about Roddy's. What, what, what's the deal? What's the deal with Roddy's foreclosure listing service? How'd you get that? Yeah. So there, and, and it's funny, right? Cause we have all these different brands. So the, you know, recently becoming the podcast host, right? Like real estate rock stars, we had to become real estate rock stars before we could host the show. So, you know, I, I bought and sold a lot of my houses buying foreclosures on the courthouse steps out in California from like 2009 to 2013, 2014, kind of last crash, last crisis. Um, right. You know, so learned how to invest that way, started moving out to Texas. And there was an existing company at the time called Roddy's foreclosure listing service. So I had reached out to them and said, I've got all this technology. Uh, I want to be able to sell it to your customers. A couple of years ago, the, you know, the owner, you know, George Roddy, he passed away. And so his family reached oh, out to yeah. me and said, Hey, do you want to take over? And when we first did that, it was like, you know, you have a business and there is, you know, a product and you could take over a business. But when we looked into the, you know, do you change the name? Right. And so yeah. on a, on a yeah. nas- nationwide level, it doesn't make much sense, but in Texas, everybody knows the name Roddy, everybody that's bought, it's been around since like the sixties. So we took over someone else's business at the time, purchased the company. It's grown a ton since then. And we've been building it, but that's why there's two versions of that name for sure. Yeah. Well, and I think that's a smart move. I, I mean, I would tell you if, if the brand's already established, you know, a lot of times when you change the name and you change a little bit of the brand, people feel like, oh, it's not like it used to be. And that's what they feel the affinity with. I think that's a smart move to keep that name in that way. But then if you're doing some other stuff and you want to start something different, so it might sound more like this is what we really do, then you do that too. 
Yeah, it's it, that that was a lot of what we were when we first went through the business. We're like, do we change the name or don't we yeah. change the name? It hurts us. When we want to exp- expand nationally, right? So as we look yeah. at bigger areas, it doesn't make as much sense because all like a really good business has this all-encompassing name that really says what they do. And right. so you know, we we thought about that, but then yes, with the brand recognition that was there, every time you make a change just to an existing business there's always some pushback and the, we wanted to show that, Hey, we're still that same company that's there just trying to innovate a little bit. You know, I think there's a lesson here too, if I can, Aaron, uh, a lot of people, when they start their business, they think what they're doing is big. So they just, and no offense to Roddy and no offense to Texas, right? So they start something like that without thinking this could be national, this could be worldwide, this could be a lot bigger. And so I'm cool with what it is because that seems big like to me, but now here it is, you take that, now you're gonna make it bigger and does it really meet the same kinds of things? I call those mirror questions, just questions you gotta look in the mirror and ask yourself. But that that's kind of a little bit of that, right? Yeah, well, you know, the best examples of what you're talking about is like the guys that built Netflix, they came up with the name Netflix before the internet was even downloading fast enough, but they knew someday, you know, they were sending CDs to people's houses and they oh, said yeah. someday oh. the net, the internet will be fast enough that we're actually going to be streaming online. And anyone they told that to was like, you're crazy. But their name was like 10 years ahead of its time. You know, Amazon's name was 10 years ahead of its time. So the, so that's, that's what, yes. When you, when people are starting a business, it's hard to think of what if this is, you know, what could we actually come to you, you know, envision your company five, 10, 20 years from now. But yeah, yeah. having that name is hard, but there's a few people that have really nailed it. Oh, I, by the way, I used to be, I used to print those envelopes for Netflix. Really? Oh yeah. So we had a printing company. That's one of, one of the things we did was print those envelopes for Netflix. And I remember their head of marketing very well. And one of their very first founders, who was also a partner of them. And so, and then I've been at odds with them too, because I've, I've, I criticized them because at one time they were trying to create Quickster. If you might remember, they, they this is, and I, I said, Quickster will be deadster. And it was dead within 30 days. I mean, this <laughs> is right when they did the big, then they started increasing pricing and people got upset. That was long. That was a few years ago, but nonetheless, I, yeah, it's interesting because you think about how you should position. And I think you do that. Well, I'm sure with housing and the houses that you buy, but you know, it's like, we just created something called C-suite loans. Well, at one point somebody came to me, let's call it C-suite loan. I said, loan, why? Well, we're doing it once. Well, what if they want more than one? Yeah. <laughs> so, so how about we make it loans? How about we do that? So now you can go to C-suite loans. You can start to get that. It will, by the way, if you're listening right now live, we don't have it up yet. It'll be up in a couple of days. So don't go looking for it. You won't see it on the site. So what's it? So how's it going for you right now in the real estate market? You know, I've had some commercial guys come on and you're more of the residential side, right? Yeah. And I think that the commercial and residential are going to have two, I'm predicting two totally different kind of outcomes with this. I think the commercial market has kind of changed forever. Um, When we talk about our different brands, we've got our real estate rock stars podcast, you know, and, and part of that is we interview real estate agents about how to be a better agent. And then we've got our Roddies and we teach people how to become investors. Like we have these kind of two branches that we're working with. And so right now, you know, on our pot, on like the podcast for real estate agents, it used to be every day we were just interviewing real estate agents and getting tips on how to improve, which is really great stuff. But when all of a sudden coronavirus happens, then it's this mixture where people want, we, we were doing a once a week news show, our, we call it yeah. our state, our state of the market, our, where we take real estate news, we discuss it and give people actionable tips for it. And that's been what's really been blowing up because people just want the news. They want to know like, how is coronavirus impacting us today? Um, right. You know, and with you know foreclosures in particular, so there's been all these moratoriums placed. No one really knows how to do it. So yesterday was the auction in Texas, where usually 
you know, a thousand houses sell. And it was something like 20 or 30. And in some counties, trustees didn't show up. In other counties, sheriffs were ex- escorting attorneys off the steps saying you're not allowed to do sales. And in other counties, it was business as usual. So right now, nobody really knows how the wild point. west. It's it the is wild the wild west. west. Everybody's yeah. trying to figure out what are we allowed to do? Because the, the president says this or somebody else says this, but there's well, no real I mean, law. I can, well, I can understand those properties that would be foreclosed on because of the stuff that's going on now. But the prior to that, you're getting swept. Those are getting swept up into that. And that doesn't quite seem fair for the people who are doing business today, right? Oh, yeah. Like it's, it could be a house that's been vacant for three months. The people, you know, it, this this happened way before that. And they're right. still getting postponed. So it's going to take a month or two for them to figure out what they're they, – there were more there were foreclosure moratoriums in 2009. And it took them a couple months to figure out. You know, what are we allowed to foreclose on? What aren't we allowed to foreclose on? So I think the foreclosure market is kind of getting put on hold. But what we're seeing with real estate for that is it's probably going to be in, in a few months, we're going to see a backlog where it kind of rushes out. And um, houses are still transacting, sales are still happening. Um, but there's but it's harder to get a jumbo loan right now. There's certain lender types that are out there. The VA made it tougher to get loans. They raised, you know, credit scores and things like that. So there's so even though transactions are still happening right now with real estate, there's just less buyers. So with, you know, when there's, you know, so demand will go down a little bit, prices will probably go down a little bit. I think the we're either going to see, you know, big corrections or I mean, best case scenario is it's like a long winter, you know, in the East coast where every, you know, October, November, December, it's icy and nobody goes out and buys houses. And in or, January or, or South, South Dakota, South yeah. Dakota is a little bit like that. <laughs> right. So it places where you guys are, there's actually a couple months where life stands still and when people get released, it goes back to normal. And so the people from out there are kind of hoping, hey, it's just like an extended spring. When when we get to go outside, it's going to go back to normal. So, uh, we'll hey, see. let's take a let's take a quick break. I need to talk to the people that make me money, and so let them get a little bit of a commercial in here, and we'll be right back. C Suite Radio. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, I'm talking with Aaron Amoshevsky. He is the CEO of all. Listen, listen to these companies now. Rebus University, Roddy's Forecasting Listing Service, and HomeRock, which is homerock.com, and host of Real Estate Rockstars right here on C-Suite Radio, one of our very top 10 shows on C-Suite Radio. And, we, and we've got a lot of them. We're up to about 170 uh, podcast shows. And by the way, we're, we're adding a new podcast show about every other couple of days now because everybody's seeing the value of podcasting. How's the podcast been uh, for you on C-Suite Radio? C-Suite's been great. I mean, my wife's going to start her, her five-hour school week podcast soon, and we're going to be really, I'm going to be talking to you guys about us launching that through C-Suite as well. So, Well, and you, and by the way, thank you too. You've sent us some advertisers and it's all been great. So we're, it's all starting to come together, you know, is what we predicted a couple of years ago. People say, well, oh, it doesn't, it's too late to get into. Are you kidding me? In the, if, you, if you compared podcasting to a person's life, we're like a 12-year-old right now. I mean, it's, it's, yeah. it's still that early, right? It's so new. And the, the first demo I got to do with the C-suite guys was super cool because we got to see the technology behind it. I mean, this yeah. really is, it's, it's radio. This is professional radio. It's professional video. Like the stuff that we're releasing now, we, you can see who watched to the end of the show. What time do they fall off? How many people right. are listening? How many yeah. people that they had the technology what behind what it. What cities am I in the most, you know? And, yeah. I can see what, what yeah. states I have the downloads and target, you know, ads that way. It's, it's really, really high tech. And I didn't know that it was high tech until in just the last couple of years. Yeah. And then with, with all those things that when we insert ads, we do all those things on C-Suite Radio. Well, I could do a commercial on us. We'll talk about that later. I just want to talk more about you. Yeah. I think it's, it's, you think you're going to, we talked about right before the break, Aaron, 
on real estate, you know, during the winter, it kind of freezes, right? Kind of stops, slows down like most things do in winter. And then we have a good spring. You just think that winter is just going to last a little longer? I think there's going to be, and it's in some cities and states different than others. So the, so, um, people are still going to want to buy houses and maybe more than ever, they want to buy new houses because they've been stuck in their house, staring at the wall they hated for a long time. So like the demand to want to get into something different. So in places where, um, you know, in, in particular, I think Las Vegas is going to have a little different scenario, right? Las Vegas says Why? Why? that they're the hospitality industry, their service industry. They were one of the first people to go on like a shelter in place. They closed all the casinos, yeah. all the hotels. There's a lot of government intervention that's going to give people unemployment and pay for the salaries, but you know, half of their income is tips. And so there's going to be a lot of people that aren't going to be able to make up the two months in lost income. So there'll be some, there'll be less buyers. So there'll still be buyers, but people won't be able to afford as much. So again, well, there could also be, I hate to say this, uh, and I'm not trying to, to be mean. I don't know the word I mean, but you know, there could be some really good buys there. Yeah. No, the, I have to imagine, I mean, one of the differences right now, so I, I do think there's going to be a lot of foreclosures there in six months compared to like 2009, 2010, though, a ton of people in Las Vegas have equity. And so they're going to be trying to tap into it. So I think a lot of people are going to be like, Hey, I, I need to sell my house now. I lost a few months of income. And so there will be some good deals for real estate agents to be able to pick up. And we were, we've been at a peak and a bubble real estate's been priced really high. It's been going up for 10 years. So it's a, uh, you know, so a correction was inevitable. I didn't know the super flu was going to cause it, but, uh, but it did. Yeah. yeah. Well, but I think, well, I'm glad to some extent, I'm glad they happened at the same time because yeah. it could have happened. At, they quite frankly, could have happened at two different times and we could have gone through this not more than once. And I think, I think we're getting it. It's like, a, I think it's kind of like that boo-boo you got on your leg and you pull the bandaid off really fast. I think that's what we're going through right now. That's a great point. Like when everything's crashing, that's turmoil, but I'd rather have, but it's been 10 years since we've had an experience like this in the U S where it felt like everything was falling down around us. I'd rather have one every 10 years instead of one every three. Well, except yeah, in this case, people actually died. So that's the bad news, but you know, and I, and I've said this before, Aaron, um, look, I got to do what I do just like you got to do what you do. And some people could say, Hey, what you're doing is maybe they look, you're, you, we take advantage of people, but you know, I look, we're not trying to, we're not taking advantage of people. We're just using what's there and we're doing it. And so don't, you can't look at it like that it's just, you know, that's, that's life. People get foreclosed on people, uh, stop their, stop making payments in the house, whatever they get divorced, whatever they sell the house or they let the house run down over a long period of time. So then you got to go flip it. I mean, and you got to fix it up. You got to put the money in that. That's, that's the way to do it. But you know, I, I don't, I don't know about you. Well, I, I, I'm not a doctor. I'm not a nurse. I, I don't even know how to sew a freaking mask, but what I can do is help people run businesses and I can help people get off their butts and get moving. And, and you're providing an opportunity for people to make, make millions. Oh, yeah. We're helping real estate agents, you know, become pros in their craft. We're helping people become investors. And we do get neighbors that thank us afterward. When you buy a vacant abandoned house that's been boarded up for like a year and you fix it up and you put a renter in it, or you fix it up and you sell it, they thank us. Like there's, there's always, you know, the market has to happen. Functions have to happen. You know, people abandon a house, you know, that's inevitable that, you know, they move somewhere else and they just decide to not make the payments. That happens too. So it's a, it's a really interesting market and there's a lot of ways to look at the pros and cons of it. So ladies, you're watching and you're listening right now, Aaron Amajeski, and he is the CEO of Rebus University, Roddy's foreclosure listing service and homerock.com and host of Real Estate Rockstars right here on C-Suite Radio, one of our top hosts. So, Aaron, how do you teach someone to invest in real estate? 
Yeah. So the, well, first we, we try to share stories from people that have started investing in real estate, how they got started and how they got into it. Because, you know, real estate is, uh, so a lot of it's just kind of teaching about, Hey, this is what real estate is. Cause a lot of people say, Hey, I want to get into real estate. Hey, I want to get my real estate license. Um, but they just kind of hear that out there. So at the beginning it's yeah. teaching them that there's a lot of different versions of real estate you know, people can invest in residential or in commercial or hotels, or there's huge real estate developers. And so we really focus on the entry level stuff of, of you know, if somebody has five or $10,000, but they like houses or they've got a knack for this, how do they start getting well, into Well, but some, something they understand, right? I always like that. So I always like tell people, hey, buy stocks of companies you really like, that you like. You know, you go to Walmart, yep. buy Walmart. You go to, you go to the local uh, Home Federal, uh, then buy their stock locally or whatever. Local companies, things you know. And in this case, it's also something they can afford, right? Yeah, there's all sorts of different levels of it. And real estate is something that everybody can understand. Like, all right, this is a great big house. It's worth more than this little small house. Oh, when I walk into this, it feels good when I walk. So it's like, you know, when you get to teach them like this, this costs more than this, or this costs more than this because it's next to a park, or this one costs less because it backs up to a freeway. You know, that's so much of real estate is trying to find, you know, that example and then also solve a problem. So it's about people that go out and hustle and they say, oh, this yard's like a foot tall. Maybe I should knock on the door and see if they might want to sell their house. They don't care about it anymore. Um, yeah. you know, there's so many of the things are that way. So it's about people that they can get in their cars, they can go drive around, they can build a local knowledge of something and then figure out how to solve a problem. And sometimes they can make you know, a lot of money solving that problem. Sometimes it's little, sometimes it's a way they get less expensive housing. That's, that's awesome. And, and they can, it's, it's not, look, and I've always found out the real estate, I buy real estate and I bought a lot of commercial stuff and I've always made money on real estate. I buy farmland. I like to buy farmland. I like to yeah. buy uh, rangeland, stuff like that, because Hey, land ain't going away. Hey, hey, we're not shrinking. You're not going to like put it in the dryer and it shrinks up. That's the case. Hey, listen, we're going to come back. I want to ask you a question about people defer deferring their mortgages right now, but we're going to take a quick break and come right back. Cool. C-Suite Radio. All right. Hey, we're back. Uh, we're, we're live right here on, on LinkedIn and Facebook, and we're actually taping our C-Suite radio show, All Business with Jeffrey Hazel. And of course, we got Aaron Amicheski, who's with us right now. And he's the CEO of Rebus University, Roddy's Foreclosure Listing Service, and HomeRock, uh, homerock.com. So check that out. And host of Real Estate Rockstars right here on C-Suite Radio. And so we're pretty excited to have a fellow headliner host of one of our top shows. So my big question for you, uh, because there's a lot of news out there with COVID, should people defer their mortgages right now? Yeah, I think the, so I, every bank right now is handling it different. So I would tell people, don't be too proud right now to get a deferment, but talk to your bank to make sure that you know exactly what it is. Cause there's a couple different versions of that. Like I have no doubt that a lot of people need help right now. And the, with those different versions, there's, there's one scenario where some banks are making it very easy and you say, Hey, I need to defer my payments. And they'll say, okay, yep. for the next, next three months, you don't have to make any payments. And in July, you're just going to make your normal payment again. And we're just going to extend your loan three months. That's the best case of deferment, right? Like that's like a, yeah. for three months, nothing happens. We like start back stop. over. Yeah. A yeah stop. Like a do over. Yeah. Yes. Almost like a do over. Yeah. So the people that are getting that, there's no reason to not do that. They're not going to report to the crediting agencies. You're just going to have some extra money in your pocket to get a little bit more ahead during this tough time. A forbearance that's also happening though, is they say, all right, for the next three months, you don't have to make a payment. And this was really common in 2008, 2009, you know, 2007, back in foreclosure crisis. They'd say, all right, for the next three months, you don't have to make a payment. So you're saving your 2,500 bucks a month, but come July, you actually owe us 7,500 or 10,000. And they're gonna make you make the full payment three or four months from now. 
or, you know, the lucky not people. Good. Yeah, that is the bad way. To go. And so good. I think a lot of people are postponing it, not realizing that. So talk to your lender and see the difference because oh, lenders man. are doing those two things. And there's no rhyme or reason to why one is doing one and one is doing the other. It's just their own personal policy until the government actually steps in and, and makes a ruling on it. Because what they've said is governors have said you need to defer, presidents have said you need to defer. They haven't given guidelines for that. Yeah, that's good advice. And I think that's, yeah, be careful that second one. That first one sounds good. It, listen, I'm telling everybody right now, and you know, not that I'm a financial expert, but I've done pretty well. So one of the things you want to do, yeah, put off everything you can. Put it off because they're allowing you to. So even if you don't need it, I'm telling people to do it. And as long as it doesn't cost you any issues, you know, anywhere else, you want to ask that question because, yeah, you might need the cash. Who knows? Who knows? But you, I, and I really, folks, just listen to us. You don't have to get through the next 30, 60 days. Okay. That's what we got to be able to do. Hey, I've got another uh, big question. I know some other people are sending in questions, but we only got a couple minutes left. And you and your wife have been doing this homeschooling and you've got this homeschooling business that your wife is leading. And I want to ask this question because parents are going freaking nuts right now. Yeah. Okay. You're used to it. These other parents aren't. I see this with my employees. They're this shy of taping them, duct taping them to the wall. Okay. Just this shy. So what advice can you give to parents who are struggling to balance working full time at home and teaching at the same time? Yeah. You know, my, our, our book right now is blowing up and my wife's social media is blowing up just because of this. It's funny. The book we, we came out with two years ago talked about how to live a work-life balance, how yep. to homeschool your kids at home while you work from home. It was like, that's, you know, pre- By the way, that's, like, the five, that's a five-hour school week, right? Yeah. The five-hour five school, hour school week. Five-hour Go there. Okay. Yes. Check it out. Cause it is, it is actionable. And on Instagram, my wife does stories every day about stuff that people can use. But so I think in general, a couple of things, especially for the next couple months, one of the things that we had to learn was, so the reason we call it the five hour school week is because in an hour of focus, you can get a whole eight hour day of school done. Right. And so I think what a lot it's driving a lot of parents crazy is they're getting these packets sent home and they want their kids to sit down on the table and you know, they're in school for eight hours. So they need to sit and do it. And they become like the drill sergeant. And that is not the right way to teach at school. They do a lot of breaks. There's a lot of interaction. That's why it takes so long to teach. But when there's just one-on-one -on -one focus, giving them the projects, being there to help answer the question um, helps a lot. I would also say, don't be the drill sergeant, especially if this is only a couple months, like don't risk the relationship with your kids or your spouse or anything for right now. Like be their encouragement, try to help them. But if they're like, Hey, they've worked for a little while and they need a break, give them a break. Like there's so many people put so much pressure on themselves saying, what if my kid gets behind? You know, what if it doesn't happen? Like they, they need to give everyone a break. Like it's, it's, if, if everybody relaxes and helps each other, a lot easier. Hey, great advice. I can't, oh man, just from, from real estate to homeschooling, man, you got it covered. Uh, it's been a pleasure. We're going to have to have you back on the show. It's yeah, I would love to come back on, man. The, uh, that, that went quick. It was great chatting with you. I want to hear more about what you guys are doing too. So thanks for, the, well, thanks for having me. At the end of every show, I like to talk about the things I learned, and we learned a lot today, all about real estate, rock stars, and the roadmap to making money from real estate. But also, a little bit later on in the show, I've got a brand's moment of zen to maintain business continuity. You want to go listen to that. What did I learn from Aaron? I tell you what, when, you, when you're buying things or you're using things to get ahead, make sure you know what the final paperwork says right? Remember when he's giving the advice about uh, you're going to put it off and you get to either put the payment all at one lump sum a couple months later, or it like resets and resets a better thing. 
you really need to ask those questions when it comes up in the conversations. Of course, you want that money, you want to take it, but make sure you know the fine print. And that's kind of what I learned today from the show. Hey, what challenges present themselves as the business landscape changes and what opportunities can be the key to success? That's what we're going to find out in this part of the show. My next guest can answer these questions and how to keep customers engaged with a brand in order to maintain business continuity. So welcome to this show. Arjun Sen, CEO of Zen Mango to all business with Jeffrey Hazlett. Arjun, good to have you, man. Such a pleasure, Jeff. Thank you. Hey, how are brands right now keeping brand continuity? I mean, because a brand, a brand typically, I would describe it as being a promise delivered, right? And, and so how are they, with all the discontinuity that a lot of people are having, how are they keeping continuity? You know, I would just go to one of the things you have talked a lot on your shows is to be consistent to who you are. And I really think that is very important is not to get distracted because you are there to solve for a problem. I know you need to have a plan short term, but at the same time, you really have to believe that once this is over, there'll be a mad rush, which means there are two things you must do. Number one, you need to be ready to come out of the gates, gates running. So cutting costs, all those things may help you short term, but if you do not come out running fast when the gates open, and you continue to accelerate, which those two are very important because what we do now as brands to plan for those six to 12 months will define us in future. Yeah, I think you're right. I've been surprised by how fast the brands have responded. I mean, there are some brands I'm seeing some commercials run there clearly haven't made the changes because they would, if you were a really great brand, you would show the social distancing, you'd show mm-hmm. some of that stuff and you you see that they can't. I'm okay with that. You know, mm-hmm. don't don't get mad at companies for doing that, people, because they it's hard. It's expensive. It costs a lot of money to do that. I mean, literally, if I make a change to a commercial, it could cost me a million bucks. Um, so when you look at that, but I've been surprised. I mean, I'm watching what... Uh, Popeyes has done, you know, they actually show the receipt being passed through a little paper tray. I've seen, you know, kind of like the show, the social distancing, the no contact, the no, I mean, I think it was Pizza Hut, maybe, I don't know, or maybe it was Domino's, the no, no contact delivery, no contact. Is, is that surprised you to see the companies do that that fast? Yeah, I think, you know, that's what's required because in any company right now, for us to engage with them, they really need to show us they're doing everything they can to make sure that their employees are safe and the way they're offering the product to us is the safest way they can. Because that for us is at the bigger place. We both worry about not just my individual safety, but we care about those team members who are making those products. And if you look at today, there was an article on Walmart as they start going through and Walmart has reacted beautifully to show everything they are doing because there will be cases which you can't control. But the very fact you put processes in place and you communicate. And of course, as you talked about, that's a Papa John's example is to give a name to your unique process to separate. But the thing Jeff, is very important is all of us are going through this once in a lifetime moment where the whole world for four to six or 10 weeks will virtually together run businesses. So understanding where the new normal is and going through this is incredibly essential. 
Yeah, I, I think this is the first time, and I hope this is the only time. You mentioned Absolutely. only time. Um, I hope it is the only time. But in but we are reacting together as one big worldwide community. I think that's actually been pretty. That's been pretty nice. So let um, let me ask you a question as well. I, I, I by the way, I want to give some kudos out to some other brands. Like uh, locally, we have like Farmland, we have Hy-Vee. These are grocery stores that are more regional chains in the Midwest. And I got to tell you, I they came out with commercials right away. They started doing extended hours for elderly or high risk so that they could come in early or come in late when other people weren't around. And I thought, wow, that how ingenious, how smart, how intuitive were they? And also an understanding their community and taking care of people. And, you know, and they did commercials. Hey, we're here to help you. We're going to do this. This is what we're doing. And then they upped the delivery service. I live five miles outside of town. Mm-hmm. And um, and now they're delivering to us, which before I couldn't get them to deliver. This is awesome. I just think it's it's really great. And it seems to me that a lot of local businesses have really reacted extremely well versus national businesses. Absolutely. I will give a shout out to a regional brand called Micro Center. Okay. Mm-hmm. I have been there three or four times and I'm wowed by number one, they put line they put lines on the ground where people should stand to force us the distance. And it's beautiful is they have put a huge screen to show anytime you return things or take something for service, how do they sanitize it? And just looking at the state of art makes me feel good. They're taking care of their employees. And they put even this demo area, what you can do at home to create your center. I just was wowed how fast these guys moved to put in front. And, you know, kudos to them. And, of course, amazing other businesses who are putting all this effort. Well, yeah, it used to be we didn't like those plexiglass windows before. We were like, what's the deal with that? Hey, I'm a human being. Now we're going like, hey, put those suckers up. Let's have those. I got to give another shout out to Target since we're talking about brands and you're you're, you're bringing these up. um, Target was that way too. My wife went into Target and she said there was only five people in Target of all the size of Target. And she went in there to get a couple of items for the grandbabies because they had a birthday. And she wanted to get some other items. Some, and she said, after every person checked out, they said, ma'am, stay there. And they wiped everything down, wow. did it all, and in between, sanitized their hand. And then they took her. And I thought, whoa, that's pretty good. She was that's impressed. Amazing. So, you know, next time I need oat milk, we're going back to Target. Hey, let's take a quick break, Arjun. We're going to be right back. I want to make sure that I get a little message in. C-Suite Radio. Hey, we're back. I'm talking to Arjun, uh, Arjun Sen. He's the CEO of Zen Mango. Zen Mango. Now, this guy's been a VP. He's been um, a head marketing guy for lots of different brands. He's a brand whisperer. Hey, and let's speak a little bit about your experience, Arjun, because you came up with the Papa John's thing. What is it? Better, better ingredients, better pizza? What was that? Yeah, so to me, it was the team. Like when I joined, the tagline was better ingredients. And, you know, to me, my favorite movie of all times is big, where if you don't get it, you better raise your hand and say, sir, I don't get it. And I just couldn't get it initially that how much effort the brand was spending on better water. And I thought, we don't drink water with pizza. Then I got it, better water, better flour. It's a complicated story. So what we felt was at the end, it is all about taste. And the better ingredients was the path to show that my pizza tastes better is the source for credibility. And then we also looked at, you have to find one product that stands out, which was our tomatoes. And the tomatoes are wine ripened from 
plucking tomato into a sauce in six to eight hours without adding any flavor, any artificial anything to it. I'm a disbeliever. I went and saw it. And then what we learned was before you tell guests, you have to tell your team members and get them excited. And that right. was the whole success. It's not just a tagline. How do you get it into the hearts of people? Well, that's the that's key thing, to be authentic to the brand, to be real, Absolutely. right? Again, it's a promise delivered. So what's the promise that you're giving to the customer? What do you, what do you think is the biggest mistake that brands do make? You know, they just set goals that they cannot deliver 100% of the time because there's a relationship. Okay, my mom, she talks about the two times in my 55-year-old. I screwed up, okay? Like, come on, mom, I have to be... Like, but that's what happens in a relationship. And, you know, Jeff, all through my life, I have been looking at who delivers consistently and what's the mantra, and I found it at the strangest place. There's a Michael Jordan interview where he was asked after, you know, six you know, championships and five MVPs, why do you still try so hard? And this guy has the simple answer, that every time he played, he thought about that one guy who has never been and will be here only today. And Michael said, I will not let that person down. I can't. So now think, if we take that to every business, every time, all we do is serve one person. Like, I can't let that person know. That's so powerful. And, you know, in any organization I worked anywhere, if we chant together, it just gets goosebumps and changes the energy. It's all about not letting this one person down. And that's the part where it has to be delivered every time. So a lot of people are talking about with brands today that it's really about storytelling. They're still talking about storytelling. What do, what do you think brands telling, telling things today about the brand? Should it be done in stories or how should it be delivered? Yeah, so to me, I think it's like the days of scream and tell are gone. Like if I just say I'm smart, I'm smart, I'm smart, you know I'm not smart. Okay. So it's so what we have to do is we are in the feeling business, we have to connect. Hey, at the end of the show, I always like to wrap up and tell you what I learned. And I tell you what was a real good reminder today in my discussions with Arjun. Scream and tell are gone. You have to engage, you have to be close, you have to be intimate. You have to be purposeful. So scream and tell is gone. If you didn't know that already, you can't scream and tell, hey, come look at me, look at me, look at me. You got to engage. And that's that's a reminder of today. And don't forget, I, I really need your help. Make sure you tell people about the show. Thanks so much for listening to All Business with Jeffrey. Is it right here on C-Suite Radio? You're listening to All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett, brought to you by C-Suite Radio, a podcast network featuring today's top business experts and is part of the C-Suite Network, the world's most trusted network of C-Suite executives. Find this and other business podcasts on c-suiteradio.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.